Okay, so we have a different episode for you today. I uh, honestly don't know. This is just different from all the other episodes we ever had. Uh, I have a cartoonist coming on, and she and her partner. The partner's not going to be on the episode, but she and her creative partner do cartoons that sort of tackle racism and that sort of thing. That's different. Never had a cartoonist on here. So we'll get to that when we get to the end of the episode. Her name is Haley Gold. Check her stuff out. Links will be in the show description. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I don't really have a ton else to say about that. Um, I'm just gonna do what I did last time and, uh, read the next section of the book. This section of the book is called, oh, this show is called Antisocial. Nope. It's called Unstandardized English. Uh, it's a show where we seek justice for the racially, linguistically, and neurologically minoritized. And uh, I'm going to do what I did in the last episode and read a little bit from the book. This section is called Antisocial Thugs. And I want to be clear that this section is how I got the book. Um, oh, this is perfect. I just realized that uh, there's three sections in the introduction left. And I said I wanted to do four preview episodes. So this will be the first of those. So when I was thinking about this book and the publisher approached me, I had this idea that was sort of about whiteness and language. No, it was about whiteness and, and, and ability and disability. And, uh, you know, it had nothing to do with language. And so I wrote this section and they liked it, but I included language in it. So I'm going to read the section. It's called Antisocial Bugs. Starts with a quote from James Baldwin, which is, please try to remember that what they believe as well as what they do and cause you to endure, does not testify to your inferiority, but to their inhumanity and fear. On August 13th, 2020, Fox News host Conor Carlson delivered a signature rant on the supposed pandemic-related decline of America's with Democratic leadership, referring to protesters as BLM and Antifa, crazed ideologues, grifters, criminals, anti-social thugs with no stake in society, nothing better to do than hurt people and destroy things. He is merely hinting at it instead of saying so, but Carlson's using coded language to describe people of color, and particularly black people, acting outside of the standardized societal boundaries to which he and others adhere. There are several dog whistles in just that short sound pipe. For example, it is easier to decry the black people involved in Black Lives Matter if you can mess it into an acronym, but I want to focus on one pertinent descriptor. When Carlson says anti-social thugs with no stake in society, he and his writers are not espousing some fringe viewpoint, but instead emphasizing a core tenet of his popular ideology, namely the fact that decentralized resistance and opposition to the hegemony of whiteness is anathema to what he refers to as society, and the common elision of blackness and criminality as expressed via his use of the word thug. This, art, this essay does not go into the whole thug thing. I cite things, and basically you know what thug means. As odious as his ideas are to many who may be reading this work, Carlson is not speaking out of turn when compared to the epistemology and the ideology of the whiteness that retains a firm, glip, a firm grip on the globe. According to the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, so the DSM-5, the very first criterion for antisocial personality disorder is failure to conform to social norms with respect to lawful behaviors as indicated by repeated performing acts that are grounds for arrest. 
By this officially codified definition, Carlson is right, and to cause property damage and perturb police officers is in fact antisocial behavior. Many would be quick to point out, of course, that to diagnose a large group of individuals based on short video clips is an unprofessional way to use these terms, and this is correct. And I would argue, in fact, that Carlson is merely amplifying a set of values upon which global social hierarchy is built. Values which must be exposed, confronted, and defeated if minoritized entities are ever defined safety. In short, the concept of society against which antisocial and other so-called disorder behavior is measured is merely a mask for whiteness, and considering that the epistemology responsible for these diagnostic criteria is itself an exemplar of whiteness, it is difficult to trust whiteness as an objective judge of what is and is not antisocial. Furthermore, when considering the path whiteness has chosen in order to define and protect itself and its symbolic property, I would argue that if anything has no stake in society, if that word can be redefined broadly as equity, justice, and liberation for all humans, it is whiteness itself. Among the many groups whiteness is created in a position in opposition to itself are those classified as black, the disabled, and those who do not conform to acceptable practices of languaging, particularly those who do not perform English in a way that satisfies the white listener or the white perceiving subject. These groups may seem to be separate, but all have been constructed as lesser than whiteness through a robust and centuries-old epistemology that rarely distinguishes between them. From the beginning of chattel slavery, the victims thereof were considered constitutionally disabled and childlike, and the same tropes can be found in the description of those who were colonized and forced to adapt their oppressor's language. The gradual proliferation of English language teaching has thus long functioned as a weapon in the arsenal of whiteness, deployed to perpetuate its global hegemony so successfully that we now barely notice the faulty foundations upon which our field was built. Language, or a supposed lack thereof, is tied very closely to harmful theories of race and ability, and all three concepts are not neutral or objective, but in fact part of the same scheme to exploit certain people and enrich others. In an era when more of us claim to lead that black lives matter, when we claim we want to decolonize our curricula, we as members of the ELT field cannot ignore the past through which all of these forms of oppression intersect, and if we attempt to reform our field in incremental ways without understanding the compounded impact of these issues, we are doomed to fail in supporting the students and colleagues about whom which we profess to care. Before I go into the work proper, though, I need to situate this book among the theory and some of the relevant literature that have come before it. That's the end. Okay. So, Haley Gold, cartoonist, is going to be on this episode. I hope you all enjoy it, and we will go from here. All right, folks, so I'm here with Haley Gold, a cartoonist, and uh, as I said in the intro, which I always say as I said in the intro, and I don't remember what I said in the intro, so I don't know why I even say that, uh, but uh, she's really trying to attack some real issues in her her, uh, her art, and it's not just telling the stories. Uh, there's also instructional, um, what, what would you say, instructional guidance, that's a redundant phrase, uh, in the, in the books, uh, regarding solving puzzles and crosswords, that sort of thing. So if you want to tell me a little bit about, uh, the books you've worked on, the book series, and, you know, some of the goals that you have within it. Um, well, the first book that's out, uh, is called Letters to Margaret, and, uh, um, I'm also working on a sequel, which has not been released yet. Um, so, uh, in the book, the book is two-sided. Um, so you can, you open it from either end. I mean, if you're reading it digitally, you can choose to read either side first. 
both sides contain actual crosswords that you solve that fit into the storyline. Um, but uh, the books deal with, with language. They deal with the cultural divide right now that is, you know, the, the epidemic in the country that's not COVID. Um, and it takes it to the crossword microcosm. Because, you know, you would think, like, maybe in, like, a subculture that's fun in games, like crosswords, people are able to, you know, still relate to each other. You know, like, everybody likes cooking or something like that. But that's not the case. And in the world of crosswords, um, everything is really very much divided and heated um, about how we use language, what language is appropriate for the crossword um what's safe safe words or what are triggering words and um it is very divided in the crossword community where everybody takes on like sort of a, a tribal side to it and and only only wants to look at their side and i wanted to make something that forces people to see more than one perspective and see that the other side might be more reasonable than they think and that people should always be open to listening to the other side and to make their own judgment in the end, because you might be on a certain track in your life, whether it be regarding what language is used in crosswords or what you think politically or um, if you like raisins or not or something like that. And I think you should just always be open to change because anyone could be wrong because everything, I don't think anyone, I mean, I think the large, the majority of people aren't idiots. They just don't have the same set of information that other people have. And I, I want people to just try to be more open-minded. So I, with my comics, the ones using the, the, the ones in this series and the ones without, I like to use comics to force people to see things that they normally don't look at because comics are a great tool for that because they control the visual and they control the language. Um, so that's the concept behind this series. Um, there's a sequel coming out that deals with m more hardcore language issues uh, so I know you have a, a, a very linguistic, heavy academic crowd. So I think they would be interested in those kind of uh, language things. Sorry if I got windy. I just wanted to get it all out there. <laughs> so a couple things. Um, when you say that you'd like folks to be open-minded to other sides, I, I worry only that, you know, that could be seen as sort of a both sides thing, you know, um, that uh, there's that people on both sides of whatever debates have equal footing, uh, because, as you know, on the show, like, I'm not. I'm not really a, a both sides guy, right? You know, like I clearly have my set of views, but it depends on the the issue. My my point is, because I that description, I feel like I actually did read um, the one you sent. Not that I didn't get a chance to go through the the planning for the sequel, but 
you know, it's actually very incisive. I feel like you you could talk up what you're actually accomplishing in the in the material even more because what's I don't think it's really just the same. It, it's just both sides. I think it's actually that you're making a point to challenge those with more power. So I think you should have more credit than you just gave yourself in that description is what I'm saying. Well, what what do you mean that, that like I make two sides with credible arguments? No, 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 no. When 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 people, well, I mean, maybe if you could describe a scenario from the book that people could sort of understand because we're talking more theoretically. Right? Okay. Well, um, I guess a lot of what's going on right now is um, in crosswords. There has been a big leap forward in this. I, I want to make clear, um, but um, the inclusion of of more underrepresented people making crosswords uh, is a big a big obstacle, a big effort, a big thing that had to be done because it, it like just five years ago it was a very bad situation, and it's still a bad situation in comparison to the number of of you know overrepresented people making crosswords right now, but it's gotten a lot better. Um, secondly, the usage of, of fill. Fill, um, for anyone who doesn't know, is the words that go in the crossword. I guess what you would probably normally call the answers is called fill in crossword shop talk. So the usage of fill that is more inclusive as well, um, representing um, I guess information, knowledge, sort of like what you discussed in the trivia episode, knowledge that might be outside, like what you can also, okay, something that's considered widely known enough to be in a crossword, the term you would use for that is crossworthy. So anybody's idea of what's crossworthy is based on their circle, their knowledge base, their demographic. And what one person's idea of what's crossworthy is going to be different than another's based on their upbringing. And if one type of person is editing, is acting as gatekeeper for the crosswords, and it's like there is, you know, a couple major crosswords going on in the country, that is barring out large swaths of people who who will not be able to relate to the crossword and therefore not get into doing the crossword that that is a big issue and then the third thing is that there's could be triggering language in the crossword offensive language in the crossword words that you don't think are offensive but then someone else might think are offensive and will trigger them uh, so th- things like that so in my book there's one character who is uh, very attuned to this and cares a lot about these issues and wants to make sure that crosswords are sensitive to people to not offend them, wants to make sure that crosswords are inviting to people who might feel disengaged because they're being disenfranchised by the crossword and wants to see um, a, a wider breadth of people making them. And another person in the book is worried that um, 
there's loss of freedom of speech because of it's this is taken to hyperbole and taken to a level where the every man can no longer relate to the crossword. And um, I feel that there is credence on a certain. I, first of all, I feel both, both characters are sane. You know, both characters, neither one of them, in my opinion. Some of the readers feel otherwise. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I see. One well, I just being clear. You know, just saying. You said sane, like you know, we, you know, it's not sane and insane, but you know what you're saying. But anyway, sorry. I I I don't mean on a level of of you know having a clinical issue. I yeah. mean on the level of being within reason. Rational. Uh, like like I mean like I I'm ra- ra- rational. Yeah yeah. Like if you follow the arguments they're saying, they both play out, and and both are based on realistic situations where um. There is a whole world of crossword blogging where people get very, very heated about every little thing. And sometimes they get heated not only over these issues, but just over little quirks they have. Like, for example, it's like, well, I don't like this musical artist, and so I'm upset that they're in the crossword, and they'll get mad about it. But, I mean, a lot of it is bent on, like, political leanings and lines and things that they find triggering. Like, if there's somebody that they personally think should be canceled and they see them in the crossword, I mean, that's a big issue in itself because, like, half, if if you're putting in, like, a senator or something you disagree with in the crossword, there's going to be some people that are politically aligned with this person and some people aren't. Are we not allowed to put in any political figures in crosswords because that's a divisive content? I just want to respond to some things before you say a lot of things. Uh, and I think you said a whole lot of interesting stuff in there and I don't want to lose it. Um, so before we get to the politics part, because I want to get to that at the end, uh, my first thought is, um, You're not actually, until we got to the cancel part, but until then, like, you're, I see what you're saying, right? It's not so much presenting both arguments as equal, because unless you are, you know, and I don't have any reason to believe that you're presenting yourself differently from how you really feel, um, you are arguing for the inclusive language, just generally, right? You are still making people arguing on the other side of that argument seem rational rather than portraying them as if they're out of their mind or something. Because, and I do believe, and especially to, speaking of language, mental illness and all that, not, I'm not speaking of mental illness, but language related to mental illness, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, we often portray the other side as if they are divorced from reality. And uh, first of all, that's not true. And second of, and, and people listening to my show, you know enough about me to know that I am not staying as if the two sides are equal. Okay. Um, but like when people are portrayed as though they're out of their minds, it's not true. And it's also disrespectful to people who are actually mentally ill or something like that. And disagreeing with people does not make them mentally ill and it doesn't make them less intelligent and so on and so forth. I think that that is valuable, but still. I don't believe that someone who's arguing against inclusive language would even bother to make the rash like both sides seem rational. 
right? And uh, you know, so like when you read the people, wait, 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 sorry. Oh. <laughs> and saying so, like what you're seeing with books and people, they want to pull books with inclusive language out. Like they're not writing a book that says it's okay to use inclusive language, it's okay to use non-inclusive language, but we prefer that. Like they're just saying no inclusive language, right? Like I don't like inclusive language. So the point is. It's still clear from at least my reading of work that you, artist, uh, author, um, creator, believe in the inclusive language. You just don't want the people who don't believe in it to be portrayed as like actually, you know, speaking gibberish and and unable to communicate their thoughts. And then when it comes to the cancel thing, like, I do hate the concept of the cancel thing. I don't mean people listening that we shouldn't be canceling people. It's just that it's not, you know, canceling isn't real. Nothing really happens to these people. They just just lose a little of their reputation. Only people who get actually get canceled are what people who went to jail, which is like two people. Um, most of them just look bad for a second and they just go on tour basking in the cancelment. But whatever, that's nothing to do with what you said. (laughs) But it is true, especially when we're talking about people writing about things online, that canceling, which is mostly online discussion, is going to change the tenor of what can be included in a, a fill, as you say. So you're right. Uh, you know, I think there is a different category between, you know, I, I don't even want to say just, you know, people who've done absolutely heinous individual things. And I don't like I'm not trying to mention anything to uh, bring anybody up versus just like a Republican or something, just a name, right? Where they theoretically, and this is my show, so that's who people would be referring to. Um, and I'm not saying that's true of you, but it's my show. Um, who, you know, if you just put Lindsey Graham on there, like I can see that some people would say, I don't want to see this man's name, so and so forth. Um, or if it's a celebrity where they potentially committed some minor transgression, and what they're still in movies and or TV, so why can't we include them? But that some people remember X, Y, and Z. So yeah, that makes it challenging. And so as far as the to go all the way back to the beginning of what you said, you were talking about gatekeepers, and um, you know, a few gatekeepers of crosswords, which is probably true of just newspapers in general, but like especially that, and how you know if it's only the same voice, then we know what that same voice looks like. Uh, it's the same way that they had so many issues for so many years with the the vocabulary words in the SAT. You know, the analogies and the vocabulary words in the SAT always being tied to a certain demographic. And I remember even I went to exclusive schools and everything. That doesn't mean that I'm better. I'm just making a point that this is where you get exposed to these things. And I still, I remember specifically only learning some of the words that were used in it because I had taken French and they were using like words that are used, like French words that are used in English as vocabulary words, which nobody uses like carafe <laughs> with some SATs. So anyway, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think that there's a lot of value in this. If it, uh, if people are willing to, to dig into it, the only thing that I wonder that I'm going to ask you now, since you're probably wondering what I'm about to ask you, is, you know, I'm sure being someone trying to, you know, generally sell books as I am as well, you would like as many people to buy it as possible. Uh, 
but I mean, just in general. But I wonder with the sort of fair, I would say, um, depiction of more than one argument, more than one side of the arguments. Um, are you hoping theoretically that someone who doesn't believe in the inclusive language um, would really be convinced by it? Or are you expecting that it will be more something that someone who already believes in inclusive language thinks is a valuable tool for more of the game side? Because I know with my book, I don't really think anyone disagrees with me is going to read that thing. I'm hoping the people who agree with me get some extra ideas. Anyway. Okay, I want to address a few points you raise here. Yep. Mm-hmm. One is that even like the reverse side, the 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 less progressive side in my book, I don't even think she is really against inclusive language so much as she is feels that certain language is getting um, discredited or that um, crit- critics of the crossword are hyperbolic. Um, so I don't even know if that's like it's certainly she's not like against like inclusive language, but she feels like like the the critics need to tone it down a little and that everything is okay, At, like you know that this isn't a crisis situation and everybody is is you know overblown in their in their um, worries about the issues like that. So it's not so, it's not. It's not like a person who says, like, I identify as an attack helicopter or like one of those people. You know? I, I, I'm not familiar with that expression, but I, th- I think I understand what you're getting at. I'm saying like, this. I'm not saying like, that. Like saying a, pro, a pronoun, like a, a pronoun policer person or something like, like, no, no, she's she's not like that. Right. Exactly. Um, so I'm taking people who both one is the 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 um. Opinions expressed in the book are not representative of me personally. Me, my opinion on everything is very fluctuating because I try to listen to everybody. And uh, people can sway me from one thing to another every day if they have seem to have a credible argument. But anyway, aside from me. Um, uh, and then another thing I wanted to address um, when, when talking about... Um, Another another point you mentioned um, with, with um, representation with inclusive language. I just one more thing I wanted to cover is there's also the issue of authenticity and authorship, which I think is super super important because um, there's the question of like a lot of white constructors. Constructors is the term for someone who makes a crossword puzzle. Will use certain AAVE or certain um, regular um, ethnicity-specific terms because they're useful as crossword words. Um, you guys may be in, um, familiar with the term crossword ease, which is a word that is not so popular in in the language usage, but super popular in crosswords because it helps glue the words together. It's like high in vowels and stuff like that in short. So if there's a certain term like that that's convenient, they'll overuse that or sometimes use language 
that is not in their vocabulary and is representative of other people. And there's the question of, is that a good idea? And I can get into that a little bit more later because I've had stuff offend me personally that falls into that spectrum um, for a group that I represent. But anyway, getting back to your question, which was basically, do I think that I'm going to convert people? I don't think I, I'll tell you no for two reasons. One is that my main goal was not so much to convert people about how they're, you know, change their perspective on crossword, the crossword issues specifically or whatever. My main goal was really just to make people see that the other uh, who, people who disagree with you are not unreasonable people and just try to listen to them more. And maybe you'll take up, maybe we won't change your view, but maybe you'll take away a few things from them. Or, or you know, you maybe just at least get along with them or maybe just even listen to them. Because I've had people tell me that they won't support my book just because I present another side at all. And then they told me, well, I'm, I'm, I didn't even read it. I'm not willing to read it because I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to give them a platform. And I think people should always, because, because, you know, you never know. You might be on uh, thinking something that you will turn turn out that later you don't agree with. That you have to re you people. I think should constantly be trying to reevaluate their opinions and and incorporate more information because if we just block out information then you're you're not going to get anywhere you you are as good as the side you disagree with um and then um so in, in terms of actually making people fall to the other side of the issue probably probably not i mean most of the feedback I get is that pe- people hate both characters vehemently. So I think I may- perhaps I did an epic fail here because I tried to make two characters that are seemingly reasonable and I ended up making two characters that are wholly unlikable. And then like I have pe- I have some people who do make it through the book and then tell me, well, by the end of it, I actually like both of them, but I started off hating both of them. But um, you know, th- these are the kind of reactions I'm getting. So I hope that answers the question. Well, now I got questions again. Because it doesn't. Maybe I'm just reading it from my perspective, but it doesn't come off as. Because, like, you, that description sounds like the blind side or something like that, you know, like the green book. Um, but the book doesn't read that way to me, at least. I haven't seen that movie, so I can't say. Okay. Well, those, well, my only is those I'm talking about, but you know, those are books that are about like a white person, a black person getting along, you know, like driving Miss Daisy or something like that. Oh, um, n- no, that's not how I meant it either. Yeah, I, 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 I understand. The book isn't like that at all. That's the thing. Um, and uh, so I don't want, because people who are listening here 
I'm tell, I'm trying to describe it to them in a way that I think might make it palatable to them. Um, whereas I think that it sounds much uh, more be friends with fascists than than I think you're intending it to sound. I I think that I've the sides I presented, neither of them are extremist, hyperbolic, like you know, uh, like you know, crazy crazy progressive versus alt right. These are both people within reason to like, so it's, it's not like we're talking about like the ends of the spectrum here. Yeah. Yeah. Although, um, eh. I mean, I would, I would both imagine they both vote democratically, you know, like if I was to follow them into the voting booth. Okay. So that's, that's sort of what I'm getting at. It's more, it's it's an argument between someone, two people, probably at least somewhat to the left, and one's farther to the left than the other, but not that far from the other person. Right, right, right. Okay, because that's an interesting and necessary. I think. Okay, see, now let's back it up because that's why I didn't read that way. Because you, you, when you try to do that with someone like who's really, uh, you know, left and really right doesn't work because it's fake it's, there isn't much in common <laughs> but like having things in common among people who generally agree that language should not be used to harm people on purpose then yes yes that is i think well very clear that no one has intentions like that well but you know i mean in the cat in the book in the yeah, book yeah, yeah you know no, i know i'm saying but that's that's my point is that like if I'm, I'm just trying to push you to describe your book more forcefully. <laughs> because, okay. Because, like, it does not come, like, it does not come off that way at all. I wasn't even sure when you sent it to me, like, what it was going to be like. You know, and I was like, all right, whatever. Um, and, like, it, if it came off like, like, driving Miss Daisy stuff, I didn't know. I don't know. Um, but it did not come off that way to me. You know, like, I, it was an interesting experience because like the sort of interactive nature with the puzzles and all that was, was definitely different. And I hadn't really read anything that was like that in a while. Um, right now, since I was a kid, uh, I'm not really a comic book person as an adult. That's not like, a, I'm not criticizing such people. It's just not my thing. Um, so it was something that I really hadn't had much experience with, but you could very easily have become a private thing, and it's not like that at all. So I mean, maybe it would be good to use uh, the example given in the mini comic, because uh, 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 so in the mini comic, uh, the, so like uh, in, after you read the main book, there was like a bonus mini comic you can get as well, and it deals with one single issue, um, which is the word NIP. Um, and that can be used as a slur. Um, and so there's the argument we should not use it in crosswords at all. Because the big deal here is that, okay, you can clue that as to um, bite at something. And that's how it would be used in a crossword, of course. No, the crossword would never use it as a slur. But words like that, even when clued as something like in, innocuous, because they have more than one meaning, 
like, you know, a chink in the armor and so forth. You're not going to see that word in the crossword because in the grid, it can be, it's out of context when you're just looking at the grid. It's not, you don't have the, the rest of the context. Sort of like in, um, in the book, it comes up the usage of Aunt Jemima as a common crossword clue for aunt. It will be like blank Jemima. Now this, since 2019, you won't see this anymore. And certainly since Aunt Jemima's been taken off shelves, it's not even relevant anymore. But th- should we not acknowledge that Aunt Jemima exists? No, it's an important thing that should be, you know, seen in museums, should be discussed in classes. But in the crossword, you don't have all that context. So it becomes like, can we broach that discussion in the crossword? Probably not. Also, the idea of just seeing a term that might be a homophone of a slur um, or uh, a heteronym of a slur, something like that, that could be super triggering for people if it is common enough. I mean, obviously it depends on uh, how much the term Okay, so for another example, Oreo, super, super common fill for a crossword. Even that can be a slur, but very, very small percentage of the time is it a slur compared to the cookie. So you have to keep all these things in mind. You have to constantly be juggling things like this when you think about making a composing a crossword and how the audience is going to react and what is appropriate or not. So, for example, one side would say, like, hold up, we're talking about biting. We're talking about another sense of the word here, NIP. But, so what's the big deal? You know, that like, this is a very common thing. We're so, like, you know, my dog's nipping at, you know, whatever. And then the other person's like, so what? You're You're disenfranchising a large group of people by doing this. You are not taking into account all the people who have been hurt by this word. You have not experienced being hurt by this word, so you cannot walk in their shoes. So it doesn't matter if it's a homophone or what, or what sense it's being included. So this is an example of, like, the tension that I'm trying to represent. And I think this be, this is a little bit less vague, maybe, than I was being before. I thought thought maybe, you know, throwing some examples there would help. I think so. I think it gives a much more comprehensive uh, description of what's in the book, you know? Um, I mean, that's, there's just so many levels to, like, different things that people are arguing about. But I that's one more concrete example. Yeah, I think that this is just, you mentioned the trivia episodes, another one of those things, like any sort of game that doesn't have an obvious racist undertone, like the game itself is not racist, because I'm sure that, like, there are those, uh, like, uh, cowboys and what, I guess, what we are not saying after that, right? Uh, but, um, you know, crossword, chess, and checkers, like, all those don't have that attached to it, but, uh, with something involving language, there's going to be that possibility for um, harm to be caused. And I was thinking of those words. I always used to see highlight. That's a 
That's a common one, right? Highlight the game. Not, I, you don't see that in, cause like, I mean, I don't think highlight is offensive in any way, but you don't see that really in CrossFit anymore just because they, you know, with, along with computer assistance and with people making larger efforts, a lot of crosswordies that is super not in the language like that. Like, cause you don't, I, I don't think I've ever been in a conversation where I've been discussing high lie with people. <laughs> um, that you don't, you really, those words have been eradicated from crosswords. I would say there is a new breed of crosswordies of like a, a big thing now is lots of, uh, Indian foods that you'll see. Which is not only more culturally diverse, but these are great crosswordies words like roti, naan, um, raita. I've, I've seen, I've seen, seen naan a lot. Yeah, so these these are coming into fashion, and things like highlight and like Latin infinitives or whatever are are on the way out. Really interesting. Because uh, I, I used to do crosswords a lot. When I was like 13, 14, that was my little period. Um, especially I used to get daily news and do it. And then I would do the times, but I never really made it past Thursday. Um, I still don't have the patience. Like if I really wanted to sit there, I could probably do most of them, but like I saw the patience. I had to be able to do it really fast. Um, and. Then I just sort of fell out of favor because I would buy those big books when I go went on trips and stuff like that. And then I, um, you know, I wanted to go out and socialize, so I stopped trying. I was like, I'm trying to be cool. I never succeeded at being cool, but I stopped playing as many games. <laughs> um, but I never, so that's the reason I burned highlight because that was a big deal back then. You know, it was talking about like late 90s, early 2000s, you know, you would always see highlight in there. Um, and I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> okay, I didn't even know what it was at the time, you know? Well, you know, there is, um, a, a, if you're interested in like, uh, specifically the New York Times crossword. Um, there might be sites that do it for other crosswords as well. There's a website called xwordinfo.com and you could actually like look up words and see when they last appeared in the crossword and the frequency that they appear in the crossword. And, you know, like, like, you know, if you're worried about like, it's an interesting experiment, especially for the academic community. If you have a slur in mind, see what it, it you know, because it, it, it will go back to the original um, uh, Margaret Farrar, the, the back to like 1945 here. You can see, see like what were like, okay, so but also my, my, Margaret plays a large part in my book as well, just, just like as a, just a story beat here, but also Margaret as editor, this is interesting, she believes that crosswords should not contain um, war, taxes, or debt, or disease. So there's also that end of of uh, what we can and can't put in crosswords that's also debatable. Because you see a lot of those things in crosswords now. But in her day, she would, she, like, you know, um, one person wanted to put in, like, rail, R-A-L-E, it's like, no, because that's, you know, the death rattle or whatever, you know, so stuff like that. However, she often very much went against her own recommendations when she included a lot of newsy things, like stuff, especially since she was doing the crossword right around World War II. So, um, in fact, 
what pushed the New York Times to start publishing the crossword was World War II, because the New York Times saw saw itself as above the crossword. They saw crosswords as a base recreation for like the 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 lower the lowbrow people did crosswords. They were above that. They were a fine news organization. And when World War II hit, it's like people needed some kind of distraction from what was going on. And they're like, all right, all right, Margaret, we'll give you a crossword. And they gave it to a woman to edit because, you know, it was a lower form of art here that we're talking about. Ever since Margaret, there has not been a female editor of a major crossword until this very year. Um, when the LA Times, um, is, now has a, a female editor for, for the first, this first time since, um, Margaret you know, retired. Um, but, uh, anyway, you can use the expert finders <laughs> to, uh, look up the diff, the different ways clues, ha- words have been clued, the different kinds of, of, uh, evolution of, of entries that are, have been in the crossword, like, you know, you'll see all sorts of stuff that is super offensive back in the day. And you can see how how it's evolved and how sometimes things are still super offensive and have not evolved. So I find that to be a very helpful uh, tool if anyone's interested. <laughs> all right. All right, Haley. So sorry, um, I went on too long about. No, that. no, I that was actually you seem you know you feel passionate about crossword history and you actually seem to care about the issue. Um, and you know once I was able to pull that little bit more about the where the two sides sat when you were talking about the two sides, um, then I think we got somewhere. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up here because I have to leave this room. Um. <laughs> But uh, if you have any uh, last brief uh, comments <laughs> on, uh, you know, why you think people might enjoy the book, this would be the time. Um. Well, outside of all the, like, heatedness that we've been talking about, the book is also fun. Like, it's filled with comedy and asides and things like that. It's 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 meant for you to enjoy. And also... If you don't like crosswords, the cross, you, it's not necessary to do the crosswords to enjoy the book and, um, take away, you know, uh, something solid out of it. Um, and, um, I, I, you know, I, I also feel like I'm totally open to people who read, who read it, who have come up with, you know, thoughts on and stuff to contact me personally I would love to talk to anyone about it because like I said I'm always open to different arguments you could hate it and I'm still open to hearing anything you say um I also want as many people as possible to read the sequel because I'm a really great crossword editor working on it and it addresses all these um important issues such as um deeper stuff about AAVE and um Stuff about gender neutral, gender neutral language, pronouns, and not just not just pronouns in gender neutral language, but also um, how we describe certain people 
and and things like it, it gets very more into the nitty gritty about more co- contemporary controversies um, because a lot of a lot of the stuff discussed in this first book deals with stuff from maybe like two years ago that is already started to be worked upon. Um, and also lastly, I just want to say that, um, we often are very concerned about addressing, uh, representation and inclusivity with certain groups, but, um, some groups I feel are lesser, um, I guess looked into in this regard. And I, I have mental illness. And uh, a lot of the times words in the crossword or clues in a crossword have, um, I guess, estranged me and um, as someone with mental illness. So I, I want to make awareness that, like, I guess, you know, all groups should be. Um, and and th- I feel this was probably because the person who wrote the, the crossword about this certain clue about this certain type of mental illness did not have it themselves and therefore did not have all the facts. So um, a lot of it, I think it's important to keep in mind everyone to keep in mind who you're not representing and maybe try to have test solvers and things like that who do represent everything that you're covering, even if, because obviously one constructor cannot represent everybody, but at the very least, they should try to consult everybody so that it can be authentic like that. Because obviously, if I'm having that kind of reaction, there's lots of other people who will, too. So go and find them because they're out there and there are people of every, you know, every place in life who like crosswords. So you can find someone to do that for you.